Good morning, everybody. It is man coverage. This is Knoxville Nate and James P. Bonneville. It is Sunday, April 24th, 2022. We are here once again to talk to you about college football, about the NFL draft, and we have a special guest today, Mr. Brandon Winton Jr., a 2024 four-star recruit out of IMG Academy in Bradenton, Florida. Hails originally from here in Knoxville, Tennessee, but made the jump down there to Tampa to uh, up his stock and work on his game. And we're going to talk to him today. James, how are you doing, sir? And he better be a crime. God, I love it when you say that. Uh, awesome uh, week here. A little bit of uh, clerical duties. We got to talk for a moment just about the new rules in the NF, uh, in the NCAA football landscape, obviously today, um, uh, this week they they came out with some some updated rules. I don't know if you saw that, James, but there is um, basically you can appeal when someone is charged with targeting in the second half of the football game. You can now appeal it uh, so that your player may not be suspended the following game in the first half. Kind of don't like that rule, to be honest with me. I mean, I like the new rule change. What I'm saying is I don't like the original rule that you get thrown out of one game and you're out this, the first half of the next game. I, I I don't I didn't like that from the get. What about you? Well, I mean, it, it, especially what happens if it happens in the bowl game. Yeah, that's and, my point. I mean, th- this it, it, it's I, I mean, that's that's the hard part about it is you run into that situation of. I mean, now you're asking guys to step off a little bit in the second half. I mean, Grant, they've got to do better with player safety as a whole, but and this is never going to be an easy answer to figure out, but they've got to do something to make it more consistent overall. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, like you said, what if it's a national championship game and the guy was, uh, you know, they don't put, the team didn't play in the, Uh, conference championship game for whatever reason and they played the week before in a meaningless game and he got thrown out of that and now he's out of the college football playoff or you know it just seems to me like a little bit ridiculous and so I'm kind of glad they can at least go back and look at it I wish they would have gotten rid of it altogether uh, in the sense that you you can't get thrown out of one game and be out uh, the the next game so uh, we'll see what that looks like going forward um, also, they got rid of the a guy we may be talking about today, uh, Mr. Kenny Pickett. It looks like they've gotten rid of the fake slide rule, <laughs> or gotten rid of the fake slide as he used that in the um, Wake Forest. Uh, yeah, the Wake Forest game, and uh, you know, f- quarterback can obviously slide and avoid contact, and he acted like he was going to slide and then uh, took off. Uh, what did What did you think about that? Well, I mean, that whole play changed the dynamic of that game completely. Um, yeah. I think that doesn't happen. I think we're looking at a completely different game because, I mean, Wake Forest was legitimate last year. I think a lot of people, just because the name Wake Forest, people really underestimated them as a whole. Uh, I mean, I, I, I thought that set the tone for the game and really kind of changed everything as a whole. Yeah, I did too. And I think that's why it pissed off a lot of people, including oh. the Wake Forest. Yeah, um, because, you know, that's something like you mentioned a second ago, that's something they put in there uh, for player safety. Yeah. And this this quarterback was abusing it 
uh, to get a couple extra yards. And I, I, they did not like that. So I kind of understand that, but um, you know, obviously they're, they're trying to make the game safer, which I understand. And um, you know, allowing people to exploit the, the safety rules probably isn't the best idea. So I, I kind of get where they're coming from with that. But uh, you know, there's a couple other uh, rule changes. Uh, there's no uh, blocking below the legs outside of the box. Uh, probably a good good deal. I, once again, trying to save these guys' knees. I completely understand that. So we'll keep keep a tabs on what's going on. Obviously, there's been some spring games. It's hard to you know. I've watched several of these spring games, but it's kind of hard to get a ton out of it. Uh, well, as far as you know, what's going on? What what have you what have you seen from any of the spring games you've watched? A spring game is a spring game is a spring game. You know, I mean, everybody, I mean, got to remember, there are 15 practices that happen during the spring. And the fans get to see one aspect of it. And I guarantee you, and I've seen this happen a billion times, where there's some walk-on or somebody that's like seventh in the depth chart who had a fantastic game statistically. Well, you're not there for the other 14 practices. Plus, those guys are getting a lot more work in during the spring game because they get a chance to get that kind of work in just because you saw it happen. Doesn't mean they're suddenly getting catapulted up the depth chart. It's there's so much more that happens in, in the game itself that in practices that the normal fan doesn't see that could really affect it. I think people have to take a step back and hear what they're hearing in press conferences or with a lot of coaches, you're seeing a lot of programs opening up their practices to fans. And I'm actually a big fan of this because now you got players who they know they have their family coming into town. Uh, they don't want to look bad in front of their family, their girlfriend, whoever it may be. When there are other people there, they can step up their game more. It's something I saw Jerry Kill do at Minnesota that P.J. Fleck has continued. But I hear a lot of coaches doing this, too, as well, to make it more open and at more open access to the fans so they get more excitement built into the program going into the season. Yeah, I like it. Uh, I think it gives, you know, some of these fans don't have cash to drop 150 bucks a ticket on a game. So it gives them an opportunity to uh, get into the college football realm and get a look at their their favorite team so uh, i think it's a good deal and it, as you mentioned it, it increases um competition yeah in, in the practices so i like that but we we haven't really gotten any answers to be honest uh with any of these quarterback battles uh, i don't think you're going to because i think there's so much fear factor that they're going to if you start naming somebody in the spring all you've done is just open up the transfer portal and that person's gone Exactly. I think you're going to see coaches now are going to wait as long as humanly possible, literally up until maybe days before a game on who they're going to announce. Right. Kind of like in Auburn, uh, they've yeah. got obviously TJ Finley. They've got the freshman. They've got Zach Calzada. Well, because Calzada didn't even play. He had offseason surgery. Yeah. Uh, didn't even play in the spring game. We've seen that uh, across the board in some schools and you know, a couple of things that are, you know, we're going to get into the draft here in one second. The only thing that I have to get off my chest is the ridiculousness of the overhyping of certain teams. Every year I hear how the Texas Longhorns are going to win the damn national championship. Uh, give me a break. I've heard it for the last five coaches. Every se single season, they're going to win the national championship. I get it. They got Quinn Ewers. They paid for some players uh, with their NIL fund. 
great. Until I see them do something on Saturdays in the fall and beat Kansas, I'm not going to put them in my top four, okay? And, um, you know, USC uh, getting blown up. You know, it's going to be a tough transition out there. As me and you mentioned, their lines on offense and defense still need some work. I like their skill players, obviously. Uh, they're, they're gonna, they got their quarterback. They've got some wideouts. They're looking good there. But I'm not ready to put them in the top ten either. So, um, you know, it happens every year. But uh, some of these teams getting overhyped kind of drives me bonkers. Well, I mean, you still have people – I mean, you still have people to this day that romanticize Miami as yeah. if Michael Irvin is going to show up and have another three years of eligibility left. I mean – I mean, Miami has not been Miami now for over two decades, two decades. There are players that haven't even, you know, that are in college now that don't remember how great Miami once was during the Ed Reed era. I mean, that Miami team back in 01 that won the national championship and really, I still say should have won 02 against Ohio State is probably one of the best teams we've seen the last two decades. It would have been interesting to see them going up against the USC's of the mid-90s or the mid-2000s, how they would have done against the Alabama's of the 2010s or the LSU. I, I mean, it, it, it's it, – they're far away from that. But you hear it time and time again because you have these people romanticize that. Nebraska. I mean, I, I mean, Tom Osborne ain't showing up on the sideline anytime soon. That program – Really, the dynamics of college football have changed, and Nebraska fell behind the times. Yeah, I've heard it, too, with the Canes. I mean, I get it. They got Mario Cristobal. They they, they hired him away. They lured him away, paid him away uh, from Oregon. But let's be honest, Oregon didn't win the national championship in their first year. So, you know, I'm not sure what, what the hype is there. They, they still are talent devoid in several positions. So getting your coach – isn't necessarily meaning that you're going to win the title or getting one player. This is a team sport here in college football. So we could go down a rabbit hole on Miami. I mean, the one thing, I mean, if they go back to the old Schnellenberger Johnson model of the state of Miami, where everything South of the I five corridor, they try to own the big problem you have is line of scrimmage play, especially on the offensive line. They don't produce many strong offensive linemen south of the I-5 corridor. They're going to have to go out state. They're going to have to go to Georgia. They're going to have to come up north because if you're big, you're playing on the defensive side of the ball and having to redevelop that. And then quarterbacks, too, as well. You look back during the Schnellenberger, Johnson, Erickson era, they went out of state to get their quarterbacks. Yeah. Yeah, and they, they might. They may have one uh, with this kid that played at the end of last year. But oh, I'm Van ready. Dyke looked great. Yeah, yeah, Van Dyke looked looked stellar, and I think was an upgrade over Derek King. But we'll we'll see what happens there. I, I'm just I'm a little sick of the uh, the preseason hype. But we well, need I mean, to get you're in. gonna keep hearing it because people want it to happen so blown. I, I know, but I'm telling people to stop. So oh, completely. No, hundred percent agree. Maybe they'll listen, but I doubt it. Um, so let's get into this uh, draft breakdown because we're, we're up against it time-wise, so we're going to go kind of fast here. But I want to talk about offensive tackles a little bit. Um, I want to get into a guy we've already talked on this show about before, and that is the Mississippi State product, Charles Cross. Uh, I've mentioned several times that this guy is my favorite tackle. Uh, he, he's kind of been dinged a little bit with his run blocking in some of the uh, breakdowns of him. But to be honest, I watched the tape and – I don't think he really has a problem doing it. And let's be honest, this is a passing league. Uh, I like this guy's game overall. 
As you mentioned, he was a five-star recruit out of high school, and he's lived up to the billing. Uh, what do you think about Cross? Oh, I mean, pass blocking ability is by far the best in this draft. I mean, the Laurel, Mississippi product. I, I just had to look up because he was the number, he was a five star, but the number two product coming out of Mississippi that year. Guess who number one is? Don't know. Nicobe Dean. So we're talking two first round draft picks coming out of Mississippi. Honestly, I think Mississippi is so, people underestimate how great a talent there is in that state, but his pass blocking abilities. If he does, if he gets outside the sixth or seventh pick, I'll be shocked because you want to protect that big asset, and he's got a great, great ability keeping his feet underneath him and great hand placement. Yeah, I like him a lot. Um, talk to us a little bit about who you like at the tackle I, position. I, you know, Ikem Aguanu, uh, the product out of NC State via Providence Catholic in Charlotte. Uh, the three-star product really impresses me, especially when you go downfield. I mean, he is just a fierce. Look at it. Look at this play. How he's continuing Whoa. to block down downfield. Now, I mean, he's not a perfect candidate by any stretch of the imagination. You get him in pass blocking. He puts a little too much weight on his left hand side, and you can go up and under on him. His feet and hands don't go. You know, aren't aren't together with him yet. But I think you get some good offensive line coaches in the NFL. I think Icky Iguanu could really take that next step because you look from a metric standpoint, the kid is all there. Yeah, there's not much this kid can't do. And I'm, uh, I've been impressed with his tape as well uh, when I put it on and, and gotten a look at it. So I uh, like both those guys. And I think those may be – Evan Neal probably from Alabama might be the first tackle taken. But I yeah. think those two guys might be the most too talented. Agreed. Uh, Agreed 100%. Talking about the quarterbacks, you know, this this draft has been uh, discussed nonstop about how there's no quarterbacks in it. You know, I, I don't know if there's no quarterbacks. I think there's a couple. I definitely think based on needs, some of these guys will get overdrafted. Yeah. Based, you know, potentially, you know, based upon their talent level, where they should get drafted, where they will get drafted. You know, that, that can be debated, and we're not going to really know the answer to any of those questions for three years. But what I can tell you is I've seen a lot of Kenny Pickett on the football field, and it's hard to watch this guy play and then turn around and tell me that he sucks because he doesn't. Uh, this guy turned around Pitt football, and um, this, this guy really made the difference for them. I mean, they've been better since they got, uh, you know, the, the coach from Michigan State and um, – Narduzzi and and since he's been in been in there he's he's done a better job than than what they've you know had previously at, at coach but this guy really made the difference they found their guy he's a leader uh he can throw it there's our fake slide uh he can obviously run uh which has not been discussed and uh decision making is good you know I'm sick of hearing about his damn hands the guy can throw the football so who cares how big his hands are and um I don't know I just I keep looking for what people don't like and i can't really find it so you tell I, me I, honestly it, there are a few things i don't like about him and i i mean he cleared a lot up this year but i wish he would keep the ball a little higher uh it, when, when you can see he keeps the ball pretty low kind of like remember rob johnson the old usc quarterback that played for the buffalo bills uh, you're allowing that extra half second to allow a cornerback to to get a beat on you to get a pick because he had a lot of picks his first three years at Pitt. Um, he, but he's got good arm strength. Uh, he just got to get the ball out much more quickly. He did that this year, but you know the game is a lot faster for him. I mean, Ocean Township product, uh, an Ocean New, New, Ocean Township, New Jersey product, really 
played well and it showed this year. Um, the guy who I'm going to talk about is a guy who I went, was kind of down on and really impressed me a lot more throughout the process, and that's Malik Willis, you know, the Westlake, Georgia, the uh, Roswell, Georgia product that end up at Auburn and now at Liberty. Um, you know, I think this kid has a very high ceiling uh, because he's got a really big arm. I'm hearing comparisons on his arm to Jake Cutler, which at first I was like, I don't know about that because Cutler had such a big arm coming out of Vanderbilt, but I see it now. But then from a mobility standpoint, Jalen Hurts. And you combine those two things together, I mean, heck, what he showed at the combine, especially with his deep throwing ability, was amazing. Now, he's got to do a better job staying upright. He was sacked a little too much when he was at Liberty, waiting for stuff to develop. Um, And he didn't get the ball out quick enough sometimes and allowed some of those routes to be open really closed down. So I think he gets some work in the NFL. I could see some high upside, especially within certain personnel groupings. Yeah, and I mean, look at this guy run, dude. I mean, yeah. this guy's a running back that can also play quarterback, in my Correct. opinion. And I, he did he did get sacked too often, but I think a lot of that was due to the fact that he's got so much playmaking ability. He felt like he could get away from pretty much anything, and at times he couldn't. But you know, the only really thing that bothered me when I looked at the tape was, you know, uh, this play right here was all right, but the the game against Virginia Tech. And when they played, uh, Liberty played against some higher competition, his production was down a little bit. And that that concerned me uh, a tad. But as you mentioned, I think that's more of a lack of, of coaching and development. I think once he gets into the NFL and, you know, if he gets a good quarterback coach with his hands on him, if he gets a good offensive coordinator, he gets in the right system, I think this guy can flourish. But I do yeah. think – it's really going to depend on where he goes. If he goes somewhere where he can sit and learn and develop, he'll be good. If he goes somewhere where he has to get on the field in games one through four, I think it could be a problem. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, I I, I think he's got incredible football IQ. I don't, I think people have under, under guarded that. I, I, it, you're right. He can't get on the field too quick because I think he's got to allow the game to, you know, figure out the game more. I mean, quite frankly, I kind of view all quarterbacks should do that. Spend a year with the clipboard because the more you can learn the system, the better off you are. I mean, there are too many quarterbacks that are getting thrust into this job too quickly and trying to learn all that has become very difficult. Yeah. I mean, Troy Aikman got thrown out there year one because he, you know, no choice. Was, was labeled to be ready and they had no choice, yeah. but let's be honest, the Cowboys were one in 15 and looked horrible. And, and they, they stuck with him and he went on to become an NFL hall of famer, Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning, uh, same way. I through, mean, look the record. He, he had the record for interceptions in a season as a rookie, but you know, went on to win 12 games a year for 15 years uh, for the Colts. So, you know, sometimes being on the field and learning on the field is good, but my problem is today's day and age, there's no patience. Well, if you I mean, go out there and struggle, they're going to get rid of you and, and you're going to be labeled a bust, uh, and it's not good for you. For, for every Troy Aikman and Peyton Manning, I will give you a Tim Couch and a David Carr who they got the crap kicked out of them. I mean, they got thrown in there so quickly and they had no offensive line and they were on their back constantly. And you can't tell me that doesn't affect your psyche as a quarterback. Every time you drop back, you think you're going to get leveled next week. 
Yeah, it sure does. And we've seen that happen time and time again. Tim Couch is one of the best quarterbacks I've ever oh. seen in my life. And uh, he went to the wrong spot and got ruined. Same thing with David Carr. Yeah, both those guys would have been, I mean, honestly, when I saw them in college, I thought they were going to be both all pros. Yes, yeah, I did too. And they could have been if they yeah. went to the right spot. It, it all depends. You know, Tom Brady went in the sixth round and goes to New England. You know, you go number one, you go to the crappiest team from the year before. We all know that. But in my opinion, where you end up in your environment that you're developed in has a lot to do with where you go. Uh, talking about safeties, obviously, you know me. I like Jalen Petrie from Baylor. Loved him all year long. Um, you know, in Dave Aranda's uh, defense, he was a mastermind. Uh, couldn't be stopped out there in the field. Playmaker, uh, play after play being made by him. Love that dude. But let's talk about the guy who's getting even more pub than him, and that's your guy, uh, Hamilton, out of Notre Dame. I mean, Hamilton is just – you look at his size, he he just covers so well. Now, he is not your typical Notre Dame safety. You look back at guys like Zibikowski or the guy over your right shoulder, Harrison Smith, those typical Notre Dame safeties were great coming downhill. And, I mean, they were good receiving guys, I mean, uh, the defending guys, but that was interception right there by Hamilton. I mean, how much field he comes across. He is such a good uh, defender and just tracks the game so well from sideline to sideline. Now, I, he can come up and he's going to be able to cover those big tight ends like the Kelseys out of Kansas City with his size. I think with any big safety, though, you got to look at, you know, does he have good enough hips at the next level? Because those, you know, taller safeties usually struggle in that respect. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what we're going to see. Is this guy Taylor Mays or is this guy uh, a big safety that can play? And that's yeah. that's what we're going to see. He definitely did it in college. And from what I've seen, uh, you know, he, he can get it done. But we've seen this before where guys – uh, you know, make the make the move to the pros, and it doesn't work out for whatever reason. I, I, one guy I think about is Mark Barron uh, from Alabama. You know, yep. he was a badass safety, and in the pros, he just wasn't good enough in coverage and kind of got uh, moved to linebacker, and, and we've seen that happen time and time again. Uh, this dude right here, due to his size, uh, you know, could potentially do that, but I think, I think he has the coverage ability uh, that some of these other guys lacked. Agreed. You know, getting on to Petrie, you look back at, uh, oh, what's his name? The former coach at Baylor, not before Randa. It was Matt Rule. Matt Rule. And how he was recruiting a specific metric type, size and speed. And you look at Petrie, uh, Jalen Petrie's recruiting list. You know, for a three-star, he was only offered by two different schools, Baylor and SMU. And it, it, you could just see if you can get that kind of – if you've got speed – Matt Rule is finding a way to develop that speed. And, you know, Aranda has been able to take that and keep going with it. Now let's see how he can recruit and keep that pipeline moving in Waco. Yeah, I mean, I, I was shocked that he stayed in Waco after the season he had. I, I thought he might jump on one of these jobs that came available. But he showed and proved his commitment to the Baylor Bears. And uh, I love Dave Aranda. So Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, he's a good guy and he's also a great coach. So uh, major props to him. That turnaround in, in uh, Waco was was unreal last year. Uh, real quick, we got about six minutes. Let's talk uh, tight ends for a second. Um, obviously, we got your boy here out of Colorado State, McBride. What did you like about him? You know, I think he's just a good two-way tight end, both good in blocking protection and receiving. 
he's got some work to do. Um, I, I I don't think he does a good enough job getting his hands out there far enough. Um, I think his his catching window is pretty tight, but from a blocking and receiving tie, uh, capability, I think he's the best in this class. You could put a guy like Dul- uh, Dulcich or Cade Otten in that cu- class, but me personally, I'm going with uh, Trey McBride. I think he's going to be a late second round, early third round pick. Yeah, I do too. And uh, to be honest, he, I think, is the best all-around tight end in this draft. I just think uh, his ability to do some inline blocking, his ability to get out on the edge and catch the football and and find holes in the defense is, is going to get him drafted high. And uh, let's be honest, it wasn't the greatest uh, quarterbacking in the world at Colorado State, which he had thrown to him, but he still managed to produce. Look at that catch right there. I mean, that guy's right on him. Yeah. And uh, he still uh, was able to bring that in, stay in bounds and get them in, in position to score. And then they I love this. They go right back to him and throw it to him and reward him uh, for getting down there. So I love this dude. He's a good route runner for how raw he is and uh, a great pass catcher. And uh, he can get upfield, man. I mean, he's a little bit faster than you think he is uh, on the football field. So I like that guy a lot. My guy is uh, the dude Dolchich from um, UCLA. Uh, obviously I love, uh, uh, Dorian, uh, DTR, the quarterback from UCLA, but once again, he's not the greatest thrower of the football in the world. So, uh, the fact that this guy still had production, I love the, the game he played against LSU. That's where I really, uh, first noticed him. And, um, I, he's just a big body who can block obviously in the chip Kelly offense, if you can't block as a tight end, you're not going to play. Exactly. But, uh, he's also able to catch the football and get out there and look at those moves, man. I mean, that was the play that I was just like, Whoa, who is this dude? And uh, he, there were some five it. yard, there were some five yard out routes in that LSU game that just blew me away. You know, he yeah. just, not only that, he was just nasty at the point of attack. I mean, how often can you say that LSU just got completely blown off the ball? Yeah. Against the Pac-12 team. I mean, UCLA just made them look. I mean, Charbonnet was having a field day that day, and it felt like he wasn't getting touched till he was like seven yards downfield. Yeah, that's the first time in a long time that I have seen uh, amazing catch right there. That I've seen LSU get pushed around. Yeah, and uh, it was shocking to me because you know I, I thought if any way, uh, if there was any way of UCLA beating uh, LSU, it was going to be finesse. And it was going yes. to be based on, you know, big plays and, and all that. But it wasn't. They they shoved them around. They pushed them around. They ran the ball right down their throats and, and were able to beat them. And, you know, I think UCLA is doing the right thing by giving Chip Kelly some time. That The Bruin program has not been good uh, the last 10, 12 years. It just hasn't been the same as it was in, in years past. And I think this is the guy that can turn it around if, if you give him time. So we'll see what happens there. You look at the Pac-12 as a whole. I mean, they're getting back to 1980s John McCain, John McKay roots, where they're getting a much more physical rather than very finesse 1990s, late 1980s football. Um, I mean, that's part of what USC during the Pete Carroll era. I mean, they were very hard nosed overall. Yeah. Yeah, no, they were, and that they they the, so Pete Carroll teams. Everybody talks about Reggie Bush, and everybody talks about Matt Leinert and uh, Mike Williams, who we're rocking today with the Raiders jersey. Uh, you know, Dwayne Jarrett, all those guys. But really, where that team excelled was on the offensive and defensive lines. Oh, they had yes. all American after all American. Matt Khalil. You know, we can go down the list 
uh, Charles Brown, all those guys that played on the offensive line for them uh, that opened the holes for whoever it was, Lendale White, Reggie Bush, didn't really matter who the running back was. There was a big asshole to run in and uh, they got it done time after time. So that's what they, they need to get back to. And that's what we were talking about uh, that we're concerned about right now with USC is, is their line. They, they've got yeah. the skill guys already in place. You know, Drake London last year was a tremendous wide receiver and is going to get drafted in the first or second round. But, you know, can they, can they, can they push people around like UCLA did with LSU? Can, can USC do that? And can UCLA continue to do that? moving forward uh that's 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 what we're gonna have to wait and see about agreed agreed but i do like this dolchich i think he's a, a guy that's probably second third round based upon what i've seen but you know if somebody really needs a tight end and uh the guy we talked about before is gone mcbride this guy could potentially move up on draft boards and, and get selected a little bit higher what do you think about that Agreed. You know, I I think a lot of people just don't know his story. He was a quarterback coming out of high school. He's a walk-on. And he put on at least 50 pounds while he was there and really changed his game. I mean, seriously, you look at every single catch. He, I mean, everything he's done here, he's just good downfield blocker. Doesn't give up on the play once it gets by him. Just keeps going. I, he's just impressive. Just really yeah. impressive to watch. The more I watch, the more I like him. To be honest exactly. with you, and that's that's usually a good sign uh, when you when you watch tape because occasionally you'll find issues or flaws or things that bother you. But with him, the more I watch, the more I like. And uh, the tight end population, I'm going to be honest, doesn't blow me away. No, it's a bad draft. tight end draft. Yeah, it's a bad draft in my opinion for tight ends, and that's why I could see those two guys, McBride and Dolchitz, moving up because if you if your team needs are at that position. You, you're going to potentially move up and trade up to get one of those two guys. Uh, you got Jelani Woods out of Virginia, James Mitchell from Virginia Tech, obviously Jeremy Ruckert from Ohio State, who I like a little bit. Um, but he's not – none of those guys are game breakers, um, in my opinion. And I, I think that McBride and Dolchich are head and shoulders uh, above the rest of the class. I don't know what you think. You know, I think another name you could add to that would be Jake Ferguson. But honestly, I thought his game went backwards the last couple of years, especially in run blocking capabilities. Um, he's more of a receiving type. Um, I, I mean, I, I, another name, but I think Ferguson's probably looking at that fifth round capability, maybe sixth right now. Yeah, no doubt. Well, we'll continue to talk about uh, the draft moving forward as we've got uh, the, the draft starting next week on Thursday. So next week, uh, we'll, we'll do a little bit of a recap and, and see if these guys go where me and James predicted, uh, predicted them to go. Uh, we'll see how smart we are as, as this thing unfolds because it's right around the corner. Uh, now we're going to go ahead and jump to, we've got our guests on the line and I'm going to bring him in right now and see if he can hear us. Hey, Brandon, what's up? Can you hear us? Hey, what's up? Can you hear me? Yeah, we got you, man. Thank you so much for joining us. How you doing today, brother? Good. Thank y'all for having me. Hey, no problem. Uh, we wanted to uh, bring you on today. We've uh, we've watched uh, watched a lot of your tape, and uh, we've been very impressed. And we just wanted to bring you on the show today and talk to you a little bit about uh, your game and what you got going on. And and obviously, right now, uh, you're on on the recruiting trail. I saw you uh, in Arkansas last week, and then I saw you get offered by Vanderbilt. Tell us a little bit about uh, the recruiting process and, and where you've been and, and where you've uh, enjoyed uh, visiting so far. 
the recruiting process for me, I feel like it's been like up and down. Uh, in the beginning, I feel like it picked up fast. Uh, I ended my freshman season, I feel like it picked up fast. So, so right now, it's kind of I feel like I'm going like it's like a pace I'm going through. Um, but it, it's going good. Um, I went to Arkansas, Vanderbilt, and TSU. So, um, Arkansas, that was probably my best one. I love Arkansas coaching staff. They they made me feel like it was home there. Everything. Um, Vanderbilt. I like the coaching staff there. Everything that um, like all the facilities they have there. Everything again, brand new. So like when I graduate, my time is in college. Everything will be brand new there. So I'm excited about that. Um, so yeah, everything is going well. And you said TSU. Are you talking about Tennessee State? Yes, sir. With who? Who do you? Who were you meeting with when you were at Tennessee State? Was that uh, Coach Pearson? Uh, yeah. When I was there, I met with Coach Pearson. Um, I met with Coach Hoff and. Nice. Yeah, we had Coach Pearson. Uh, we had Coach Pearson on the show uh, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I, I'm so old that I was around when uh, Coach Pearson was running the football at Ohio State. So uh, I saw, dude, you, hey, don't let him tell you nothing different. Coach Pearson was a baller. Uh, in fact, you know he's coaching at TSU with Eddie George. Well, Eddie was the running back before. Pepe got to play and everybody's like, oh man, you know, the production's going to drop, you know, now that Eddie's gone. Well, well, Coach yeah. Pearson stepped in and uh, ran for 1,500 yards and 20 yeah. touchdowns. So he made a statement. Uh, yeah, there was, there was no <laughs> drop off uh, when Eddie uh, took off for the pros. So it uh, sounds like you're getting to meet some good guys. And, and Coach Pittman uh, has done a tremendous job there at Arkansas. So I, I think uh, that program is definitely going in the right direction. Um, talk to us a little bit about your transition. You know, I saw you here uh, in Knoxville uh, playing for Webb, and now, you know, you've moved down to Florida. Tell us what that, that's been like, and uh, tell us, uh, you know, what you've been doing uh, since you got down there in Bradenton. Uh, the transition, I feel like it was a good transition. Um, football, football is football to me, so I don't feel like nothing football change-wise. Um, but, like, here it's more it's more like a college base, more like a college schedule, um, like morning workouts, uh, morning meetings, morning practice, and then school. So like everything here is just like really a college format. But at the end of the day, I feel like football is football, so nothing there has changed for me. Who who would you say, Brandon? Do you compare yourself to? Is there somebody out there you've always liked watching play? I mean, I know I've got my comparisons in my head, but is there somebody out there you like to model your game after? Uh, so you, you know, at Web, I play defense, right? Yeah. So yep. like, I, I, I'm I'm a dog, so I like to go after people. So like, on defensive side, I always love Jalen Ramsey. So that brought him just a dog out of me. Um, but the offensive side, I, I watch a lot of T. Higgins, Stephon Diggs, Devontae Adams. I watch a lot because, like, I'm a big frame and, like, I'm not the fastest, but I'm not, like, the strongest. So I just watch a lot of people and just put everybody's game into mine and just make my game. Nice. Nice. I was interesting because I was watching your film and there was something that came across to me was you reminded me a lot of Rashad Bateman uh, when he was at Minnesota, especially your change of speeds. Uh, it, it just, there was a slant play that you had that I, it just, honest to God, it just reminded me of watching him during this Kurt Siraka era prior to yeah. him getting drafted in the first round by Baltimore. Remind me who that is? Rashad Bateman. He uh, was last year's first round draft pick. Now oh, the okay. uh, receiver okay. for the Baltimore okay. Ravens. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I know you're Before it, that, it, he was at Minnesota. 
Yeah, it's a compliment. Don't don't get us wrong, Brandon. It's a compliment. Oh, no, most definitely. Most yeah, definitely. Dude, he's <laughs> a baller, but you got to remember, James is up in the Midwest. Yeah, so he's yeah. got uh, he's got his little Midwest uh, uh, love love affair with players, yeah. but uh, I can see it, man. Uh, I love your game, and I love uh, like James said, your that. change of direction. Um, but you know, tell me a little bit about the uh, the movement down there. Do you think obviously there's more uh, there's more talent at, at IMG, and there's players you know, from all over the country. So you feel like that's going to help your game? You know, going against these guys in practice every day. Uh, it is definitely talented kids, every, every position here, uh, kids from everywhere. Um, but, yes, I definitely feel like I'm getting better each, each and every day. I'm going against top kids in my class every day, top cornerbacks in my class every day. So, definitely, I feel like I'm getting better each, each day, each day, each day. I definitely getting better at competing with them guys. Who's your mentors? Like, people that you're looking for, like, not only to develop your game now, but also to help give you guidance on your decisions on what you want to do at the next level in college? Uh, really, I just talk to my parents about all that. Uh, I, anything, I'm having any problems, any trouble or anything, I just shoot a, shoot a text to my parents, call my parents. Those two people I look after, like, any, anything happen, I'm going to them. No doubt. That's good to have that uh, have that support system in place, man, because you've got a lot of decisions coming up for you. And uh, you were talking about, you know, at Webb, you primarily played defense, uh, but obviously had some success on offense, too. Which uh, which do you plan on uh, focusing on as you move forward? Are you going to play both sides of the ball or are you going to pick one uh, at IMG? And, and what's your favorite? Uh, right. I'm a, I'm a receiver at IMG, so I came here for receiver, so I'm going to stick with that. Um, but hopefully sometime I get to play some defense. I love defense, so hopefully some, sometime I get to play some defense. Some colleges want me to well, – Arkansas, they're big on me at defense, so yeah, uh, I don't know how it's going to play out, but I love defense. Yeah, and and it, it playing wide receiver, I know that you had uh, got some time, I believe, to work with Coach Bradley at Webb. Uh, was, he, was he there when you were there, and if he was – uh, tell us a little bit about him. Did he help? Uh, you know, he had a lot of success at CAK with that uh, open offense. Uh, did he coach you while you were at Webb? Uh, most definitely. Coach Bradley, he was there last year. It was his first year at Webb. Um, so it was our first year for new offense, first year coaching, all that. So, and it was good. I feel like he did a like we had a way better season from our freshman year than last season. So, yeah. and it was way better for the players that we had and everything. So I feel like from when, like when he came in, he knew what he was talking about. He knew what he was doing. He's a football-minded guy, so he everything that he did, I, I appreciate him for it, and I liked everything that he had to come through with. What are you looking at from schools? Like, is it culture, location, style of offense, education, combination therein? I mean, what what are some of the biggest factors that you're looking at during your recruitment process? Uh, really, right now, I'm looking for relationships and style of play. Uh, style of play. Um, I say I like. I just like fast pace. I like going. I like going. I like getting the ball out. So I'm looking for that. And then relationships. I'm big on relationships. Like if we got a good relationship, I know I can always trust you, and you can always trust me. So nice. nice. You ever? Uh, you ever talk to your? Uh, you ever get any advice from your cousin, man? Uh, we we've had old Tommy on the show. Obviously, yeah. I went to Catholic, so uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've always loved your your cousin Tommy. And I think he's headed off to ETSU. Uh, yes, you talk to him at all about this process and uh, what you got going on? I actually was with him through his whole process. This was crazy. Uh, yeah. So I'm 
been learning from him, me talking to him about, like, just work ethic, like, just really recruiting standpoints, just telling me, like, like some coaches going to, you know, want you. Some coaches going to just want you for, like, what you are. So, like, just a whole bunch of different stuff. I was really there for his whole his whole recruiting stage. So, I really learned everything from him. Um, yeah, so. But he, he's about to go on off to ECSU, so I'm hoping the best for him there. Yeah, me too. So now you're going into the fall for your season at IMG. What's your schedule like? Because IMG is not your typical high school. I mean, you're flying to a lot of games. It's, I mean, let's be honest. It's like you're already a college kid and you're not a college kid yet. I mean, what's your guys' schedule look like next year? Uh, we haven't got a schedule at all so far. What they haven't told us about any, any games or anything. I think they're still trying to figure out who all we're going to play, where all we're going. ESPN games, all that. So they're still trying to figure that out. But I know it's I know it's gonna be on the road a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is it is it kind of like knowing you're gonna have games on ESPN? Does that kind of get in your head a little bit until you get like a couple knocks in and then you start forgetting about it? Or is that something you're getting exciting about? Or what's your thought headspace on that? Uh, right now, I've never played on any type of TV or anything. So I'm and right now. I'm just excited. I don't know how it's gonna play out, but. I'm I'm ready for a TV game. I've never got to play on a TV game, so nice, nice. And and tell us too, man. Now obviously, you made the transition down to uh, to Florida. What's it like down there, being in the where it's warm all the time, man? You got to be uh, enjoying the wind, spending the winter down in Florida, right? Definitely, it feels amazing every day. Only bad part is always windy. That's the only bad part. <laughs> but feel way better down here than Tennessee, so that's good. Yeah, no doubt. How many guys are on the program with you right now? Right now, I think we got to like 30, maybe 40 players, uh, something like that. But I know it's going to be another group of guys come in in the summer, and then we're going to have some guys still leaving in the summer. So, it's gonna yeah. Are you going home during the summer, or do you guys just stay yeah. there the entire time and just continue your off-season development? Uh, yeah, we get to go home after um, pretty much really after spring ball. We start spring ball tomorrow, and then so that's – that's through the whole May. And so after that, in the end of May, like beginning of June, we got testing. And then after that, we just need to go home for the summer. And nice. then do more visits? Yeah. Visits. Well, where else? I'm going to do a couple camps. Where else are you looking at for visits? Uh, well, visiting right now is not too much. Uh, more more so, like, people want me to camp and then go from there. Uh, sure. Clemson. Um, Jackson State, they want me to come. Um, Missouri. Um, Virginia Tech. Um, Notre Dame, they want me to come. They really want me to come. Um, Cincinnati. Um, Florida. Oh. Um, yeah. That's, and, a pretty, yeah. That's, that's a pretty good summer. list. Yeah, you're going to have a busy summer. summer. Yeah. Uh, so you do? You, hey, Brandon, do you guys do any uh, like seven on seven as well in in the off season, or pretty much uh, working out on your own with the trainer? Oh uh, yeah, pretty much just working out on my own with the trainer. I don't think we do much of team seven on seven IMG because we're like going all kids from everywhere, so we're going back home. So yeah, I'm really just gonna be trying to get to some of these camps and some schools I want to get to, and then just training a lot, getting ready, getting ready, getting ready. Do they focus a lot on who's come through the program, like from a culture standpoint? Uh, I mean, how, how does that work since it's not your typical high school environment? Yeah, uh, they definitely do. Um, 
Coach Billy, he's uh, our new head coach. He he's been big on us about all culture and all that this year. Um, and trying to bring it back together from how when uh, like first started. Um, so this year, like in the past years, that like, my teammates have told me it hasn't really been more of a culture thing and all that. So I think he's trying to bring that back. Cool. And and Brandon, just to clarify. Um, how did you end up deciding to go down there? Did IMG uh, like approach you and contact you about uh, coming down there? Was this something that, that you looked uh, for on your own? How, how does it work uh, with, with ending up, you know, heading down to Florida? Uh, coach Desmond Tardy, the receivers coach, he um, contacted me um, through Twitter and we just went from there. Nice. And I, I know you. Uh, I know you've decided to since you've been having so much success and and going down to IMG. You 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 know kind of turned away a little bit from basketball. You ever miss hooping? Uh, I do. I, I watch my guys a lot. I, I miss it, but it's not. It's not. It's not where I'm at. I'm, I'm in football, so I got to stick with what I'm. What I'm. What I'm good at right now. I. Yeah. All right, man. Well, hey. Let's uh, keep us posted, man. We're going to stay in touch with you, and uh, we wish you the best of luck as you move forward, man. We're going to keep a close eye on this se uh, junior season and, uh, you know, keep uh, keep working hard and keep doing what you're doing because uh, you got a lot of good things going your way. And I think um, with all those uh, camps that you're going to, that's going to put more eyes on you. And then obviously, you know, playing, uh, playing this fall at IMG, that's going to open up a whole new level of uh of people's getting to see your game and and once they see it uh they're gonna love it so just keep working hard and uh you know keep doing what you're doing man because you're on the right path and uh we we hope nothing but the best for you moving forward okay absolutely thank you again for your time yeah thank you so much for coming on brandon and uh we'll stay in touch with you and and talk to you again soon and hopefully we can have you back on the show and uh check in on how things are going okay most definitely i appreciate y'all all right man have a good yeah. one Keep working yes, at it, and we'll talk to you again soon. All right, B? Yes, sir. Y'all too. I'll see you. All right, bud. All right. Man, that was pretty cool. Yes. Uh, I like hearing from Brandon. Uh, obviously, he's a kid from around here in Knoxville, so uh, I, I, I keep tabs on him. But uh, really, really blew up uh, last year. As I mentioned, uh, Rusty Bradley's a, a guy from this area that that has a lot of, uh, a lot of credit to his name with uh, bringing two state championships to Christian Academy in Knoxville. And last year, as Brandon mentioned, he was the offensive coordinator for Webb where Brandon was. And, and it really, I think, helped Brandon and helped that program as his uh, his game really took off. And uh, now, as he mentioned, the, the wide receivers coach from IMG contacted him, got him to come down there and play. And as I just mentioned, I think it's going to open up a whole new world for him. And I think in my opinion, as you saw with the tape you watched, James, I think he's just going to blow up, and I think Agreed. more and more offers are going to come to him. Don't you think as he moves forward? Agreed. Agreed. You know, I, I look at him, and like I said before, the Rashad Bateman comparison is pretty damn close. I mean, body type, they both played basketball. I just never saw the 50-50 balls, but, I mean, I got to imagine he's still got that in his, in his arsenal too as well, and you, he's only going to get bigger, stronger, and faster through his time and development down at IMG. Um, it's going to be interesting how he progresses and, but he looks like he sounds like he has a good passion for the game and uh, he was great to talk to today. Just seeing what he wants to do at the next level. Um, yeah. 
and just looking at every opportunity that's come available to them, not only with the H, uh, HSB, uh, HBCUs to major power five programs and finding the culture that fits best with him. So, Yeah, I, I agree with a lot of what he's doing right now. I mean, I know that a lot of times people want you to play as many sports as you can um, to keep that, you know, athletic ability development and, and um, you know, to keep uh, working on different things to, to improve your body. But really, if you decide that you're going to play major college football, I think it's good to focus on it. I mean, that's what uh, yeah. Mari Rogers from Catholic High School here in Knoxville did. Um, he really focused on football and, and was not a 24-7, 365 working on it. And look where he is. He's playing for the Green Bay Packers now. And, and you talk about Brandon um, as a sophomore. He's already got offers from Arkansas. Boston College, Eastern Kentucky, Kentucky, Pittsburgh, Tennessee, Texas A&M, and Vanderbilt. Uh, that's pretty good for a sophomore who came from a very, very small program here in Knoxville and uh, now is moving to IMG. So I think uh, with with the – I love the head on his shoulders, man. When I was a sophomore yeah. in high school, I didn't know what the heck I was doing with anything. And this Correct. kid's already got a, a really good focus on um you know his goals and and what he wants to do and and i really give him credit for for that focus and also i give him credit for making the decision to move away from his family and um you know go somewhere that'll truly help his development uh within football i mean that's got to be hard to do right well i mean especially a kid at that age i mean it, it's easy to it's really easy to play it to have it make it comfortable while you're trying to go through this stuff and he's purposely making it uncomfortable to help benefit his game. Yeah. Um, I take my hat off to the kid. I mean, honestly, when you pitched the, pitched him to me, as soon as I saw that Jeff Halfley recruited him, I mean, it, what Jeff Halfley's doing from a recruitment standpoint is throwing out a wide net on scholarship offers, but he is really, I mean, he doesn't miss. He's going after kids before they blow up and once I saw the film, I could completely understand what Jeff Halfley's doing. And what do you know? Now the kids already got eight, nine offers. I wouldn't be a bit surprised that going into a senior year, we're probably talking that 25 to 30 offers where you're going to see some big 10 schools in there, more ACC, more SEC, heck, maybe even some West Coast teams, depending on where he camps at too as well. Yeah, I mean, the, the camps are going to be huge for him. I mean, that's yeah. where a lot of guys show up for some of these big D1 programs is when they get on campus, they meet the coaches, they go to these camps, the coaches get to get on the field with them, run them through drills, see what they're all about, talk to the kid in between sessions. And that's a, that's where you can really make a name for yourself. So you heard the list that Brandon gave. I mean, Notre Dame, yeah. Virginia Tech. I mean, there's some big schools there. He said Florida. Uh, there's a lot of really good schools that he mentioned that he's going to be camping at. And I think that's just going to help him too. And and then with a big junior year at a bigger school, like IMG, a bigger, and in the, in the sense of, you know, the way they play, I mean, they bring guys from all over the country to come down there and really focus on, uh, on football. And that's what he mentioned, you know, before he goes to school, he's got film sessions, he's got workouts, he's got meetings with coaches. And uh, I think it can do nothing but help him moving forward. Well, I, you know what's funny is I go back to some of our previous interviews, specifically Darnell Sanders and Stanley Jackson, where they both talked about don't go to a school because you love the name of the school. I think he's looking for a true relationship with the coach and the program and finding what best fits for him. Because let's be honest, if that helps benefit you, that next three to five years could go by very quickly and help really propel you to that next level of getting paid in the NFL. 
Yeah, there's no doubt. And uh, the, the amount of focus this kid has uh, as a, you know, going into his junior season is phenomenal. And he's driven. He's very driven. And uh, I like uh, I like the head he's got on his shoulders and uh, I like I like what he's got going on. So um, we'll see. But uh, we got a question here from one of our watchers talking about uh, about coaching. And, you know, that's something, as, as Brandon mentioned, uh you know, he uh, had a good coach in, in uh, high school uh, over at Webb with, with Coach Meske and then also Rusty Bradley coming in. And I think that uh, uh, that 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 helped him and got him where he is. And it's just going to get better with, with going down there with the coaches that he'll see at IMG. But really, in my opinion, what differentiates great coaches from good coaches is uh, A, scheme, B, the ability to uh, delegate, duties because if you're a head coach and you're in charge of a program you cannot handle everything that goes on but if you can trust the guys around you and you have the right staff uh being able to delegate those duties to the guys that are on your staff is huge and you have to kind of run it like a like a manager like a yeah. uh, you know like a director of a company in my opinion so the guys that have their the football knowledge and then also have the ability to run a program is what differentiates, in my opinion, a, a great coach from just a good coach. James, what do you think about that question? Well, I, I would even take it one step farther, just being able to inspire people. You know, you look at, like, I look back at my brother played talking about Coach Holtz, where Holtz did a great job of inspiring people to believe in something that may not be really possible. And because you don't know what you're capable of. And some of the best coaches are able to take you from in your head, thinking that this is only as far as I can go to push you farther. And I mean, there are plenty of examples out there today. I mean, heck, Greg Dulcich, a guy we talked about, went from being a walk-on to being drafted in the NFL next week. I mean, that's just the pro progression. I mean, he wasn't a five-star you know, bonus baby coming out of high school. This is a kid who worked up the hard way and now he's going to see the benefits of his labors coming up next weekend. Yeah. And there's no doubt, you know, it, it's interesting to me and we talk about great coaches. It doesn't seem to matter where they go. I mean, look at Nick Saban, who is yeah. the greatest coach in the history of college football, in my opinion, uh, started out at Michigan state one, got it done, uh, put players in the NFL, one big 10 games, you know, moves to LSU, gets even better. He got a little bit better recruiting pipeline down there, uh, a little bit better base in the SEC of uh, recruits from getting guys easier to get guys from the South. And it, it just got better. Wins a national championship, uh, catches the eye of, of uh, you know, Alabama, goes to the Crimson Tide, and, and the rest is history. I mean, the guy is the greatest coach of all time. And, and that's because of the way that he has his program uh, pay attention to detail, in my opinion. He doesn't well, let one thing go unchecked. Quite, quite frankly, I still say that if he and Bill Parcells weren't together at Miami and he had a lot more say in who he could bring in, I quite frankly think he'd have been just as good of a pro football coach as he was a college football coach. It's just you had two type A guys in the same room. It just wasn't going to work. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I, I don't really subscribe to the fact that if, you know, you go and you try it once and it doesn't work, that this guy couldn't be an NFL coach. I think Coach Saban could coach anywhere. 
Oh, completely. And if he gets to the right spot for him and he has the right guy above him and he has the right coaches behind him and the right players, the guy could, the guy would have been fine. And, well, I and mean, I, he, the culture, I mean, you look at any college coach today, you can't just walk into a situation. You have to have the right culture from the university standpoint, from the administration standpoint, from your support staff standpoint, heck, from the players you bring in. If you have all those combinations of things together, excuse me, that's a strength of a strong program. And that's what you've seen at Alabama. That's why the next guy that comes in after Nick Saban's got a real heavy, hard job to do because it's not like he could throw a bunch of Jimmys and Joes out there and win games. There's a lot more into it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it, coaching is is very, in my opinion, college football is where coaching is the most important thing because okay. a you've got younger guys, uh, they're very impressionable uh, that need a leader in front of them, and uh, you also have to know what you're talking about with football. You have to have uh, the ability to adapt. That's the biggest thing too, in my opinion, that Coach Saban has done is he's been yeah. able to adapt over time and remain the number one team for 20 years. And that, that to me is astonishing. Well, and, heck, uh, remember, was it six years ago when he and Brett Bielema were yelling and screaming about the speed of the game has been going too fast and yeah. nobody did anything about it? Well, what do you think Nick Saban did? He went yeah. from having a pro-style offense with a quarterback that just didn't turn the ball over to let's go up tempo, four receivers wide, all four receivers go in the first round. Well, yeah. now you got fifth with Jamison Williams. Yeah. And they've changed the style of the game from being a very hard-nosed 1980s, run it down your throat, to let's air it out and see if you can stop us. Yeah, and, and one thing I wanted to ask you, James, I know we're about to run out of time here, but I want to get your impression um, about Coach Kelly uh, from Notre Dame. You know, Brian yeah. Kelly is another guy that, that's won a lot of games. Uh, he was successful when he was at Central Michigan, he was successful when he moved to Cincinnati. Had um, Grand Valley State Division Two. You won national thank you. championships. Thank you. I left that out. Thank you for bringing that back up. That's why we have you here. Uh, and then he, then he, you know, won a lot of games at Cincinnati, and then he parlayed that into a lot of success, becoming the winningest coach all time at Notre Dame. Now he's jumped to LSU, which you know the last three guys that have been there have won a national championship. Can Coach Kelly win a national championship at LSU? Yes. Yes, he can. I mean, the talent, I mean, there's a reason when you go down there uh, and you see high school games in, in Louisiana, one, everybody's the Tigers, and two, everybody has purple and gold as their colors. Recruiting to LSU, if you're from the state of Louisiana, is not tough. You're going to win those recruiting battles, and they've got guys on the offense and defensive side of the ball on the line of scrimmage, which is where Brian Kelly succeeds. And there's speed down there. I mean, we've seen it time and time again. You go back during the Les Miles era. They always used to have a very short receiver who could move in, in space and then very tall, lanky receivers on the ends. I mean, it, it, it's, it was almost like it was it, they were looking for a prototype of a specific body type for those positions. Brian Kelly can do that. He knows what he wants in the system. And, heck, you look back wherever he's been. Offense and defensive line have been the character of his program. If he has the quarterback, that's how he can take it to the next level. And that's the one thing that's kind of been missing, or at least that was missing throughout his uh, tenure at Notre Dame. I mean, I know Ian Book won a lot of football games, but let's be honest, he's the fourth stringer on on um, the New yeah. Orleans Saints now. So, you know, he, he hasn't had that five-star bona fide 
first round NFL pick quarterback. And I, I don't really understand why. I think it's a style of offense. I think he's going to go a little more up tempo. Uh, I mean, go back to when he was at Central Michigan when he had, uh, oh, what's his name? Antonio Dan, Brown was there and the quarterback. Dan Lefebvre. And, Dan Lefebvre, yes. Yes. Woo! I mean, you're going to see a little more up-tempo style that you saw when he was there running the Mac. Um, yeah. That was a very good Central Michigan team. Everybody keeps going back to Bryant, but there was – there was some talent on that team that played in the next level that people should go back and look at. Yeah. Um, it, it's only a matter of time. I, I give it three, four years. And with the amount of talent that's in the state of Louisiana, plus with the transfer portal, it's going to be fun to watch this play out. I just see a couple quarterbacks walking out the door in Baton Rouge because there's just too many there right now because yeah. they're not going to get enough playing time. I think they're going to have to go Jaden Daniels at quarterback, to tell you the truth. Yeah, they've got Miles Brennan. They've yeah. got Jaden Daniels, who transferred in from Arizona State. I, in my opinion, those two guys are probably uh, the two guys that are, that have the best chance of becoming the starter. Don't don't you think? I would say so. I mean, the, the problem with Jaden Daniels is, do you have to deal with his mother? Because the horror stories I've heard out of Arizona State, I, I, I don't know. I mean, Brian Kelly's never had to deal with that before, but. Yeah. I mean, Louisiana, it's a little bit different situation at LSU. Yeah, well, he's got Nussmeyer. He's got Brennan. Uh, he's got Daniels. So I think one of those three guys will be able to run this offense, and especially because they've got Kayshawn Boutte, uh, the wide receiver out there, who I, in my opinion, when I watched him last year, when he was healthy, when he was on the field, he might have been the best wide receiver in all of college football, in my opinion. And I, I know – Oh, he was very good. I agree with you 100%. Dude one is a guy badass. One guy you're forgetting about right now is that 2022 commit. Uh, oh, what was his name? Here, give me a second here while I look him up. There was a very good commit they got. Uh, the Walker Howard. Yeah, Walker Howard out of St. Thomas More in Lafayette, uh, Louisiana. That kid's going to be play looking at some playing time too as well. I don't think he's going to crack the starting lineup, but I, I, I think he could really make a run because I've heard some really good things out of him. Yeah, I I mean he he did look good on his his high school tape. My only question is, can he come in and supplant a junior who's started for three years in Arizona State, or a redshirt senior in Miles Brennan who's been in uh, Baton Rouge for four years, uh, you know, in the program, and then obviously Nussmeyer is a redshirt freshman, so he's been there for two years. I just don't know if he can can come in and and start over top of all those guys. It, it's possible. Um, it just depends how talented he really is. Yeah. So we'll see, but we'll keep an eye on that moving forward. I just, uh, with that coaching question, I really kind of wanted me to get me talking about coach Kelly and, and what his, uh, what his possibilities are there in LSU, uh, because I'm interested to see what happens. I thought it was an interesting hire. It wasn't really the direction I expected them to go. Uh, but you know, if, if you want someone who can win football games, uh, this guy's proven that he can do it. So oh, I, completely. You know, I just get I I I mean, the biggest audible I've seen from Brian Kelly is how he got that Cajun accent all of a sudden within a week. I mean, well, and became a uh, disco dancer as well. Oh, jeez. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. I don't know why. I mean, the guy is bringing in players through the portal. He's they did a pretty good job, even though he got there late recruiting. 
why he felt like he needed to change his accent and become a go-go dancer, I will never know. But you know, it, it has made for it's made for great uh, uh, videos. That Absolutely. is for damn sure. So we appreciate that from Coach Kelly. Uh, but awesome show today. I loved your breakdowns uh, with your guys, and I loved uh, getting into the draft a little bit more. I'm excited to see what happens in round one uh, and beyond in the NFL draft starting next Thursday. So we'll we'll talk about that uh, when we when we come back. And and special thanks to our guest. Uh, 2024 recruit, uh, Brandon Witten, who's down at IMG Academy in Florida. Uh, hope nothing but good, good things from that kid. Absolutely. All right, guys. Thank you all for tuning in on Man Coverage. If you missed any of the show, go to YouTube, type in Man Coverage, Bonneville, Man Coverage, Nate, whatever you want to do. It'll come up. Subscribe to the channel, and you can watch all of our shows and catch out all of our interviews as well. Have a good rest of your Sunday, James, and I'll talk to you again real soon, buddy. You bet. See you then. All right, bud.